0: It's 2013. They don't you make don't films to... like this anymore.
1: <laughs> well, Not in what, what are say that is wide open for remake. you if you want it. <laughs> but I, I mean, keep
0: keep in mind, keep in mind. There's maybe one movie a year that comes out that I think is worth seeing.
1: Worth seeing. <laughs> This is episode 42 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, and more. Today is Thursday, May 2nd, 2013. I'm your host, TJ, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Darnell. Joe,
2: how are you? Hey, TJ. It's going great. I'm, I'm having a wonderful day. It's been a crazy day. I'm so glad we can have this very early afternoon occasion to do something special
1: yeah we're live at a different time than usual but guess why we have a special guest with us we have with us today dan benjamin of five by five dan how are you
0: i am doing well you guys are very it's very formal you've got a a process it's great i'm i'm super i love it love being here been waiting for 40 41 episodes to get here
1: yeah, oh, well, you know, so. we, uh, I, I will say well, that I invited you on earlier in the year, and then I thought, you know what, because you responded on Twitter, but then I just, I, I emailed in and we never got back together. I thought, well, you know, I'm just too small of a fry for them to pay any attention to whatsoever. Not at all. Not at so, all.
0: I just, I i am horrible at email. That's all. That's all there now,
1: is No, i I understand, mm. you know, as, as I get more and more emails, it's starting to get a little bit horrible for me too, but nothing, I'm sure, like you get, so. um well,
2: Good thing you're not on Facebook wasting your time there. Then your notifications would go out the wazoo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look at this though. Look at these notes you guys do. Listen, I don't know if your listeners know this because you 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 guys don't strike me as the type to sort of you don't grandstand. You know what I mean? But no, not really. The notes that you guys do. It's intense, right? It's. I mean, I don't even know what the right word is for this. Because you guys, the, I, I always
2: figured I was outdone by Merlin. I just <laughs> this is this well, is, this, is anyway.
0: we have no notes before the show. You, the notes that you have before the show, I mean, there's pages and pages and notes and links and I, I mean, it's fantastic. Did try well,
2: I try to. I, I hope you're being serious there, Dad.
0: I'm being very serious. It's look, look at this. <laughs> this is just. Well, we put, I mean, there's yeah. ratings
1: for things. There's, I mean, it's it's amazing. All right. Well, for those who are listening, I want to. I just want to give you a little He's bit more. He's got to keep it on there.
0: track. He won't let me take him off track oh, at all. Come Have on. you seen this, Hattie? I mean, seriously, <laughs> listen, Hattie, my producer's in here listening.
1: All right. These so, guys won't let me derail him. He's going to keep coming back. He's going to keep bringing it back. No, that's good. I like it. Yeah, I got to try. We're get off to a good start. I got to try. I'll get you. All right, so Dan, you're from Five by 5tv You you're the reason. I wrote a little bit last week. You're the reason why I'm in podcasting. I love listening to your shows. Your shows are awesome. I've really been enjoying the frequency. Um, so it's just, it's, yeah. it's really exciting to have you on the show.
0: Sweetie to you say, thanks. I'm glad to be here.
1: All right. And uh, actually, this is the first time that I've had more than Joe on the on the show where I had a mixer and two other computers where I can actually do it properly and have not not do a Skype conference, but have you with two computers and two channels. recording. You're doing it the right way. I am. Finally. Yes. Very good. So for 40 something episodes and we had more than Joe on, I would have to bring it on a Skype conference and hope that they were tech savvy enough to do a double ender yeah uh it's just you know but now i don't have to do that you're putting
0: the burden on them to do it and now you've you've taken taken over for them
1: yeah but man this stuff's expensive dan i know it is so isn't it uh and and i'm I'm, i am still doing one thing that you and i know that i shouldn't be doing it but i have a condenser mic and i'm not in a sound studio and so it probably doesn't sound as good as it could but it was the mic i had and i don't have the money for a new mic right now
0: I feel mm-hmm. your pain. I mean, it's yeah. it's tough when you got you know. It's it's better to do it on a condenser mic than to do it on a Logitech headset or an iPhone
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. headset.
0: So think of it like that. You're still doing all right.
1: All right. Well, okay. So the first thing <laughs> Does we want to is Joe talk, talk about... on this show, or is he
0: just hang out? I'm just curious.
2: I'm more of an introvert, Dan. So right. I'm enjoying just <laughs> listening to the conversation. <laughs> what, what are you
1: doing? Yeah, no, I mean, why are you Why are you hosting a podcast, Joe? If you're such an introvert? I don't know.
2: You, you go by Joe or Joseph? Screaming said. like forty weeks ago he started
1: going by joe lately so he used to go by joseph that's what how i when i met him it was joseph now it's joe so i try to call him joe but you may hear me slip up all right so Mm. all right well the first first link we're going to talk about today this is a little bit kind of i guess you would call it meta but i'm really excited about this i'm a huge fan of instacast i've been using it on my iphone for a while instacast for mac beta and this is not related to movies or tv shows but we are a podcast so it's related to podcasts right so yeah. Instacast for Mac, Dan. Have you had a chance to use this yet?
0: I mean, I just downloaded it yesterday, and I've only had a chance to fire it up a couple times. But as as you would expect from the Instacast guys, and these are these are fo- folks are really really good developers. Uh, it, and I mean, this is a beta, and they're very very open about it being you know an early beta. Yeah. Uh, but I just I just think it's great, and you know, this is the kind of thing that as as iTunes and Apple are kind of moving away from this kind of, this kind of experience, right. Uh, having an application like this, that's focuses podcast. Uh, I mean, how can I complain about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. it
2: is intense. It, it far exceeds any of the power that you get out of iTunes right now for podcasting. Oh, Wait, I mean,
1: everything's yeah. in there. Don't even talk to me about it. iTunes. Ugh. It's I've, the worst. I've been so unhappy with iTunes podcasts and you know, it wouldn't take much for them to get that right. Now the Instacast beta, I've had just a little bit of trouble. Like, um, it does sync my played and unplayed status, but it's not syncing the uh, the time period that I'm at. If I if I come in, you know, I get home from work and I'm going to work at my computer a little more, it doesn't pick up where I left off, and that's a little bit frustrating right now. But I think they'll get that fixed. Like they said, it's in beta, and I'm incredibly excited about this. So this is another way that people can listen to the MovieByte podcasts. So obviously, I'm happy about it. So I'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, we'll have that there. And uh, so we're not like I said we're not going to spend too much time on it, but incredibly exciting.
2: Yeah, check it out if you want to get this on a podcatcher.
1: Yeah. All right. So J.J. Abrams says that John Williams is likely to score Star Wars Seven. I mean, who? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked, right? <laughs> it's not a not big news. What do you think, Joe? <sighs> We talked about this on I, th- I find it kind of surprising
2: past. because John Williams doesn't have many good years left in him. The, the poor guy has got to take a break. I hope he can retire soon and he can enjoy the good life. The the guy is he's incredible, but I don't know. Is he going to recirculate or recir- should I say recycle most everything he did from the other soundtracks to put together this one?
1: I don't or, know. I'm, I'm going to get Dan to weigh in on this in a minute. But I mean, I think that despite the fact... And I just finished listening to The Incomparable where they talked about... Uh, the two episodes, they talked about The Phantom Menace. And the one thing that you can say about that film is it has a great soundtrack. And it was quite original in many ways, I thought. Uh, and and so I agreed with them on that. And I agree that The Phantom Menace is a terrible film. But uh, so, you know, I think the possibilities are good, even though I'm not... Uh, I'll get Dan's opinion on this, Dan, but I'm not, a I'm not huge saying that I'm opposed fan. to John
2: Williams because I think that he's the right man for the job. I think it would be very difficult to replace him.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not a huge fan of John Williams, but I think that, and I've what, talked what about you, this on the show. Go you're ahead. I'm not a fan of him. Well, okay, here, here's how I've said it on the yeah, show TJ before. Really
2: backwards about I, that, Dan.
1: I think he does great, um, themes like the, the Superman theme, the, the Imperial March. These are great themes, right? I love them. I play them all the time. But his overall scores that 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 they don't capture the feel of the film very well to me. Sometimes, like he tends to be too bombastic, and he never finds those quiet moments. You know, I'm being a bit of a snob, a a film snob, but that's the way I feel about John Williams. He's no
0: Hans Zimmer, you mean?
1: He's no Hans Zimmer. That's right. What do you think, Dan? You have a different opinion. I can hear it.
0: Well, no, I mean, it's just, you know, I guess, I guess it's one thing to say you're not a fan of, of him as a whole, but I mean, the guy has made this, I don't know how, how old are you guys? I'm 31. Okay. 29. You're 31. Joe. 29. 29. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a 10, I mean, 10 year difference between us is not that much. This guy was like right. the soundtrack of my life. I mean, yeah. you know, like you grow up, I'm, I'm sitting in star Wars, star Wars, star Wars, in the movie theater, I'm four and a half years old, and the wow. first one of the fr- I mean, I saw you know a couple other little movies before that, whatever Fantasia. I don't know what they had out uh, Disney. Um, they had Jaws. this is the first serious movie. This is the movie of of my time, you know. Yeah, and 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 you you sit down and you see the words scrolling past you off into the distance. You hear that music. You see the cruiser, you see all of this stuff happen and it's all set to his music and you get these three movies, right? And then you go out there and you see, uh, I mean, gosh, he's, he has done all of the movies that mattered to me in in my whole childhood. Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind.
1: How can you not be a fan of this guy's w- Okay, well like I I need to back up uh, cuz I need to preface well, it a to little clarify,
2: more. I I would agree with you too, Dan. You know, his influence has made what the soundtracks what they are today.
1: The guy did Superman, he did Raiders, yeah. Superman.
2: Yeah. Indiana
0: Jones, these are the, the extraterrestrial, all of these things. This is, you know, yeah. And and they work in the
2: context of the films. That's, what, that's what's really hard for me to believe is that T.J. Empire doesn't especially Sun? care for them in the context of the films.
1: <sighs> well, I need to back up and say I, I do <laughs> like... I love that some of his uh, themes, like I said, and I I love. Well, that's all you want is
0: the themes.
1: Well, but there's (laughs) so much more to a good score than than just the themes. And I feel like he fails to capture some of those moments. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I'll tell you you what, (laughs) I'll take a John
0: Williams theme over somebody's little, you know, wispy little violin melody in the background of a love scene any day.
2: Right, I think that there's three different camps: those that love Hans Zimmer and love John Williams, those that love John Williams, and those that love Hans Zimmer. You know, so you'd fall. I think Hans Zimmer's the, amazing, by the way. Exactly. Right, I, I'm with you there too. I, I love them both, but there's a lot of people that have a high regard for Hans because he's able to. It feels like he invokes more the emotion of a film throughout, and he's not about themes. He's more about the emotion creating, and the creating a
0: feeling in creating a, in a, a certain scene yeah. yeah yeah so that's a little bit of a difference and he between and, you and you. he but he and he does that okay yeah. and that and this is the whole thing is that but if i asked you hum three themes for me that Han, uh, three things han zimmer has composed okay i mean maybe maybe you could do it what would those be that's show true. me your fire truck. I mean, that's only because the uh, the show in Japan. All right, well, you know what I'm talking about yeah. the food, uh, the Iron Chef thing. Forget that. You know, I can I can <laughs> hum funny. to you Indiana Jones. I could do Superman. I won't because no one wants to well, hear that. And
1: and, and that that Star bolsters Wars. my argument that it's the themes that he's known for, and I completely agree. But that's what makes the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right all right well True. we're we're gonna I agree- want to talk
0: just about this one topic for the rest of the <laughs> i'll stay for an hour if we can talk about
1: it okay well we're probably going to circle back to it uh because we're going to talk about the music of star trek and what two. was what was the let me ask you this hum me the music from crimson tide i've not seen oh, that shit.
0: film exactly kidding? nobody can do that i doubt Hans zimmer can even do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right
2: yeah i can remember a few a few themes but they were like they were what the marines or the the navy were singing or something in the background some vocal
1: parts but that's it and i, can't I don't want remember to take anything tunes. away
0: he did zimmer did the uh the score for uh gladiator didn't he
1: yes he did and it was an awesome score yeah but you can't whistle
2: that tune either
0: i can't you, whistle you're that right either.
1: i mean i i can think of a little bit of it but um you know you're right and it's been a while since i listened to it so i can't bring it right to mind but You're right. I think you're right that I can immediately call to mind several (laughs) iconic scores from from John Williams, and for that I applaud him. And I do like. I'm not. I think maybe I stated my case too strongly, Mm -hmm. but I just think that he he fails a little bit to capture the. By the end of the show,
0: you're going to be his biggest fan.
1: Okay. All right. We'll see about that. I I don't think so. I've felt this way (laughs) for a long time. But related. Carrie Fisher uh, teases Star Wars Episode 7. Ian McDermott is pretty sure Emperor Palpatine won't be back. Well, duh.
2: (laughs) Do you think so? It actually occurred to me that he might come back as like a blue ghost or something. Maybe because he's on the dark side, he'd be a purple ghost or something. Somebody
1: did make a great point that he might (laughs) uh, come back like as a clone, but I really don't. I can't see Abrams going there.
2: Oh, please. No yeah hopefully abrams will kill that one
1: yeah i i don't know do you have any thoughts on that dan this is this is a quick thing but No, i don't not really okay so star wars 7 i still have mixed feelings whether star wars 7 is going to be any good um and we'll talk Oh, a it's got to be some good uh, all right it can't be as bad as the three prequels i'll, I'll put it exactly. that way well it could but it's not likely mm. all right um netflix is now bigger than hbo now, this is a topic that I find really just fascinating, and, and the reason is because, I, I, I don't know about you, Dan, I don't have um, any cable into my house. I mean, I have cable internet, but I don't have it hooked up to my TV at all. I get all of my media via, either I go to the theater and watch it, or it's streaming. Otherwise, it's just streaming. And occasionally, I might rent a Blu-ray from, uh, from the Redbox. And so th- it's fascinating to me that HBO is losing ground to Netflix. I mean, this is this is astounding. This is crazy. When, what do you what do you guys think?
2: Hmm. Well, it was inevitable. You know, HD, HBO is just one station. I think that they're pretty big and everybody has them, but inevitably, you know, people want the the common man on his couch wants to watch everything on Netflix.
1: Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I get frustrated that current TV shows are not instantly available. So we've talked about right, this a think lot. Madman, yeah, we've talked. I'm, about- I'm
2: going through that series right now, and I, I sometimes I just miss an episode. I don't want to catch it on Netflix. I can't.
1: Okay, you know, I we talked about this before, so I'm not gonna I'm not going to belabor it. But I just find it interesting. Like, what is you know, it, you know, people say that the this whole streaming internet thing this is not going to go anywhere because people. They're not tech savvy enough to do it or whatever, and and that's true. Up until recently, these things have been very geeky. But it's starting as as more and more set top devices have Netflix, uh, Apple TV. I mean, I'm I use the Apple TV, but it's also on the Wii. You know, you've got your Roku's and stuff. I mean, it's it's, it's Xbox. Yeah, yeah, it's catching on. So I'll put that link in the show notes. That'll be there. All well, right. HP
2: only recently came to devices like iOS devices, the iPad, right? But Netflix has been on there for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, I'm about to move on. Dan, do you have any thoughts on this one?
0: Uh, how much time do I have?
1: Uh, as much time as you want.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I definitely a have time. a lot of thoughts on this. This is something that I think about all the time. First of all, you don't have anything. Cause I've got everything. I've got cable, everything but satellite. I've got cable. I've got everything. Okay. Because I have kids. And they they you say, oh, there's great stuff on Netflix for kids. Not my kids. They want Netflix. They want everything. So, I mean, you got to get the latest Adventure Time. You can only get that through cable or some, you know illegal means which I just don't <laughs> like. I don't and it's not to have a problem with that I just don't have time for it yeah it's I just amazing. don't have time to to go do torrents so yeah no it's no surprise for me that Netflix is bigger than HBO because there's such a minimal commitment with Netflix you can go out there and spend 50 60 bucks whatever it is for a roku and then you spend 10 bucks a month and you've got Netflix yeah and you got a Wii, you've got Netflix you've got half a you know it's TVs that have Netflix you know that you can get on there so it's no surprise Android has Netflix. Absolutely. Even, yeah. So, and you can, you can get and watch all of the stuff on all of your devices easily. When I was, I was miserably sick. I was the sickest I've been in. Uh, this is not an exaggeration, TJ. It's not an exaggeration. I was sicker than I've ever been in my whole life. A few weeks ago.
1: Yeah. We were worried about you. Those who listen to your regular shows. I almost died. <laughs> wow. I, I've, I've got the impression you're being facetious, but maybe
0: not. <laughs> so I'm laying there. I'm laying there. And I start watching Mad Men with the computer on my stomach watching Mad Men on Netflix. And that's that's how I got through, you know, some of the days where all I could do is just like <laughs> lay there. But you know, you can't do that with HBO. We don't have a TV in our bedroom. Listen to me. Don't put a TV in your bedroom. I agree. I completely it's the agree. The worst thing you can do ruins your sleep patterns, ruins your life. Don't do it. So I, but you know, I'm sitting there, it's three in the afternoon. I'm like laying there feeling awful. You got to do something. So I'm watching, you know, Mad Men. All I had to do was go to netflix.com and installs a little thing. You can't do any of that. I mean, yes, you can go and get an app for your iPad. If you already pay for HBO and you have the subscriber, you can do some on demand stuff. Yes, you can do that. But I'll tell you what, Netflix, the, the choices that are there and the things that are there are, are pretty amazing. For me, right. HBO has transformed. And what HBO is for me now, today, 2013, it is a production company making a few outstanding series. And for me, the shift happened back in the Sopranos time period. So you had Sopranos, you had Six Feet Under, and uh, the Ladies Like That uh, one. What's that one, the Ladies Like Hattie? The one with Jessica Parker, Louise Parker thing, Sex in the City. Yeah, uh, mm. you had those shows going on, and you had HBO producing, and and they still they're doing it now. Boardwalk Empire is amazing. You know that's a great show. That that. Game of Thrones, great show. But yeah. that's it's, what HBO to me is. It's these wonderful series that they do. That's the only reason to have HBO. We don't watch anything else on HBO anymore.
1: Yeah, and, and right. you know what? I'm not familiar with any of these shows because I can't get them on You're Hulu. Out. Right. I'm I, I am missing out. I understand that, but I can't get them on Netflix or Hulu. Uh, and so I, I just, you know what, I've got better shows, better things to do with my time. So, um, mm.
2: this is just coming from the movie buff.
1: I know, I know. And I, I mean, I'm going to go to theaters and watch movies, no doubt. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 it frustrates me that they're not being made available in a, in a manner that would make it easy for me to consume. Mm. So, uh, yeah, convenience
2: I, convenience factor is yeah key.
1: Yeah. So, um, you but know, but I mean, I, I, I don't.
0: You know, those shows are great. I think it's certainly possible that you could say, all right, I don't mind being a season behind on Game of Thrones. I'll right. go and get the, you know, if you do a DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, or you just get it on, uh, you know, you get it when it comes to iTunes. I, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with that, too. I just feel bad that you're missing the shows entirely. Oh, I Is feel bad, too.
1: I uh, feel sorry for me. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> can't you buy them on iTunes? Uh, I think you
0: can. Almost, but- no, I mean, can, who, who can wants- you personally? I know you can't
1: uh well i mean i could i just don't want to spend 60 bucks when i you know look i'm already paying 10 bucks a month for 60 bucks for a season i'm already paying 10 bucks a month for hulu 10 7 bucks 10 like eight or nine bucks a month for netflix i'm paying for amazon prime which i you know use on my wii u what do you watch on hulu what are you watching on that uh i'm watching revolution um bones my wife i I, bones is okay my wife is a big fan uh, what else? Boy, there was we lost several shows over the last couple of years that, and I just haven't gotten into many new ones yet. But Revolution is is a is a big deal to me. I I, I like that show. I want to like it more than I do actually. It was uh, forty forty bucks, thirty
0: eight ninety nine for Game of Thrones. Season
1: okay, one. I may make. I'll, room buy, in, I'll buy it for you. Okay, I may make room in my budget, but you know you got to understand. I, I'm you know it, depending on I'm I'm freelance and depending on how things are, I may be scraping pennies. You know, so uh, anyway. Uh, there was another link I was going to talk about, Broadcast TV's Nightmare. I'm going to skip over that because uh, we've spent plenty of time on that topic. I'll go ahead and put it in the show notes uh, of how uh, mobile uh, iPad TV usage and mobile apps are taking uh, over uh, Broadcast TV. So <clears throat> I did want to talk a little bit more, th- and this is a little more relevant to the review we're about to get to, which is the Wrath of Khan, Star oh. Trek Into Darkness clip. And there's been a ton of stuff coming out for Star Trek Into Darkness over the last couple of weeks. Just an, that new trailer kind of started a cascade and now they've been releasing clips and featurettes and different things. Um, as much as I am not the biggest fan of Abrams reboot, um, I got to say, why not? I'm a little excited for star Trek in the darkness. Okay. Why am I not a big fan of Abrams reboot? um, he went for way too much whiz bang flash pow, the, you know all the lens flares, and he kind of missed. And he didn't completely miss the heart of what Star Trek is, but he did in a lot of ways. And I I, I get frustrated with the frenetic pace, overbearingly so. Like the now, camera TJ, completely, never clarify, stops. To though,
2: you. to clarify what you're saying, where would you put it on the chart with all the rest of the Star Trek films?
1: Aha! Uh-huh. Being a Trekkie, I have a chart. <laughs> in Evernote here, and I'm pulling, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, Star Trek, 2009, three of five stars, as opposed to, uh, let, let, let's say that the worst Star Trek film is the motion picture. I give that two of five stars. The first Star Trek film, terrible film. The Wrath of Khan is five of five. And you know, you kind of go down from there. The undiscovered country is four of five. Uh, first contact is four of five. So, so, um, there are several films that are ahead of that film on my chart. Hmm. Well, you still like it. You just, it's not one of your favorites. That's right. It's, it's, it's still, you know, I, Dan, here's how we do our ratings. Um, two, two and a half stars out of five is kind of a middle, middle of the road. You can watch it, but you don't have strong feelings about it one way or the other, right? Like there's negative things, but the positive things kind of balance it out. And then when you go over that, you're in on the positive side of the scale. If you go under that, you're you're in the negatives. Okay. And so that that's kind of how we think about our star ratings. Yeah. Um, and so I give two, Star Trek 2009 three of five stars. That's how I think about it. It's a little – like I, I enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. and whereas The Wrath of Khan, it is in my top favorite films. Mm-hmm. No, so. I'm
2: not a Trekkie, and I didn't grow up with them, so I have no right to speak about them. But <laughs> I, I, right. I enjoy Chris Pine's Kirk a little bit better. Uh, in general for its entertainment value but then we had that uh, screenwriter on here on the podcast yeah Melinda Snodgrass talking, yes and she was explaining from her time with the Star Trek Next Generation you know series how all the writers criticized you know if, you know they they were looking at what they were trying to do in the movies and they criticized these diehard trekkies that were writing for a TV show were criticizing what they were doing with the movies and uh, in particular with this new one by Abrams um, she kind of ruined it for me as far as the the spirit of good sci-fi was concerned. But I still enjoy it. I just I can't look at it the same way now that Snodgrass
1: ruined it for me. Yeah. What is your feeling on uh, Star Trek two thousand
0: nine, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I in general I agree with you guys, um, TJ, especially with what you said in that in that you know. But it is very much a film of. The times. It's time. Yeah. Yes. That's true. I agree with that. And and if you're going to make a movie in the 2000s, you're going to take the things that were good about the Star Trek uh, universe. You're going back to the original Enterprise time period. You're going to say what what were the cool things about that? Well, let's use those and we'll just uh, we'll update the world that those things in the universe that those things exist in. And we'll do a movie that's going to appeal to people who are 23, 24 years old and younger and not necessarily pay any mind to the people who loved the series or loved the characters or whatever that came before it. Yeah. It was, you know, it was very much a reinventing of it. And I think that it, it, the goal wasn't necessarily to make the people who loved Star Trek and loved the old Star Treks happy. It, It was to, to take something that was cool and make it relevant to today, and that's I think what they did. I mean, look at look at the previews that are coming out for uh, Pacific Rim. <laughs> I I think that okay. I Pacific Rim has the chance to be the movie that it, it, in in that in the genre that it is it that may just be the movie that has. Hattie's sitting here nodding. That has everything. This may be the movie mm. we've been in. What have you, Hattie? You've seen these.
2: Yeah, no, they just look so cool. I mean, it kind of.
0: You got giant it's robots. What, it's what
2: Transformers wanted. And to giant be, but monsters do it. Yeah.
0: fighting. You've got what looks like the Kung, Ultimate Boy movie Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. The, I, the robot picks up a, a, a ship and sw- yeah, hits the monster in the head with like a baseball bat. I showed this to my five year old. He's
1: play it again dad play it again dad <laughs> i mean and that's and exactly I are... why i think this is going to be a terrible film i i, I i've been wrong before I, Rim. yeah no <laughs> i'm not looking forward to this film. i'm
0: ready to see it i'm in line to see it right now right. like i'm
1: standing and we're doing this from the line i'm ready to get tickets this could be the movie i've been waiting my whole life for i mean look i hope you're right i really hope you're right i'm never more happy than when i'm wrong about my opinion that a film is going to be bad, but this doesn't look like a good film to me. It looks like it's going to be a testosterone fuel fueled thing with no real plot, no 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 substance.
2: But well, I, I I'm a big fan of Del Toro, so it's Plus
0: hard for me to Glad believe. Plus, they got Glados in it. Come on.
1: Well, that's true, Gla- Glad OS. That's awesome. I, I'll I, see any movie she's <laughs> in. <laughs> agreed. I, I I that was pretty awesome, and I uh, the first trailer I think had that in it. Right? Was it the first one that the little teaser they posted? I put yeah, it on. Movie they got it in the
0: second one too. A little yeah. Bit.
1: Yeah, and she's still in there, but I think they've toned her down a little bit. And I think ultimately it's going to be weird if they keep her voice as GladOS, but uh, we'll we'll see. I I love Portal, but um, Mm. anyway, so Star Trek Into Darkness now, of course, is going to be following up on Star Trek 2009, and you know I I can't help but get excited about it because it is Star Trek regardless, and I, I figure it can't be any worse than Star Trek 2009, and I did like Star Trek 2009 in many ways. Uh, with, you know, with, and we're not reviewing that film, so I'm not going to get way into it, but just, you know, there were things that bothered me about it and I, I wanted, I wanted to like it more than I wound up liking it.
2: Now, has Abrams ever done a sequel before? I don't think so. He didn't really, he hasn't done a sequel. I don't
1: think before. he has. He's, he's actually, you know, he's relatively a uh, new director. I mean, well, n- he's n- new to cinema. He's, he's, right. he's experienced on television. Sure. But he's relatively new to cinema. You're right. That's a good, good distinction to make, Joe. Uh, so, in some ways, he's unproven on this this sort of thing. But, um, you know, Star Trek Into Darkness looks like it's going to be, despite some, a couple of misgivings I have, which we talked about when we had Anthony Pascal on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, for those who missed that episode, I believe that was episode 40, uh, Anthony Pascal of TrekMovie.com. We talked about that. So, if you want to hear more about my thoughts on what's coming up with Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, go mm-hmm. go catch that one. Let's move on. We're kind of already there. We've been talking a little bit about the Star Trek world in general. We're going to move on to our main review topic today, which is Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Um, this this film is uh, it is one of my favorite films. It's not my, my my favorite film would have to be The Matrix. I've mentioned this before and uh but this is right behind it i mean you know is that the music i hear in the background that is the opening music for star trek to the wrath of con this is come on i'm I'm playing with my mixer man it's my new mixer ah so um this film and it's you know it's really hard for me to separate i mean i was born in 1982 this film came out in 1982 but i kind of grew up with the film like and i've been a trekkie for a long time uh, and this film, so it's, it's hard for me to separate my emotional attachment to the film from, from what I consider to be the filmmaking, the good filmmaking. But I think there's a lot, you know, it is an 80s film, but there's a lot of good filmmaking in here. And I love this film so much. Um, Dan, how do you feel about this film in general? Well, I'm 10 years
0: old watching this movie. I see it in the theater. And this thing, I had seen the first Star Trek movie also in the theater. And I did not understand it. And I've watched it again recently. And I'm still... I'm about a quarter of the way further than I was when I was a little kid. (laughs) This movie... This is... Star Trek II is everything good. With one exception. Everything good about the original Star Trek series. And, and, And which to me is the Star Trek series. I mean, I did watch... The next generation. When I was young, uh, but the original start. This is everything good about it, and Agreed. there's there's all of the characters are strong. They know who they are. You've got a bad. Can I say badass on this show?
1: Yeah, I think that one's okay. We You've do have a clean tag, but I think that's okay.
0: That'll nah, be fine. You've got a badass uh, enemy, totally worthy in every way of going, you know, toe to toe with with uh, Kirk. And the Starship Enterprise as a whole, I mean, it is it is a great, great story. The acting is great in it, in in a way that just it just a little tiny bit campy by today's standards. Sure, but but good, and it's not off putting. You could show this movie to you know. Again, I base this on now on my kid. He's five. If I if I could show this to him, and he'd be like, "That's cool." then I know it's still a good movie. Caddyshack, the only part he likes is the little uh, the little gopher at the beginning and the end dancing. The rest of the movie he doesn't care about, and I don't think he, he'll he ever care about that movie.
1: So you're saying you did show this to your five-year-old son, and he loved it?
0: Yeah, he's seen – he has not seen the movie in its entirety. I mean he's only five, and this is a right. long – Right, so
1: you didn't show him movie. the set of eels probably.
0: Uh, no, I definitely w- will show him that though. It was just we didn't – that part was – it was on TV when I uh, – had him in there watching and absolutely would show him that because he he's obsessed with you know insects and the, you know the human body and diseases he thinks is fascinating <laughs> so the idea that something this would not horrify him at five the way it horrified me at 10
1: okay uh, but it's still it, you know that scene still is a little bit horrifying right i mean they you know i even knowing and going in and delving effective. into the special features and knowing how they made the set of eels look like they were crawling across the face and everything it's still very effective, right? I mean, it really
2: creeps you out. Ugh. It's better than some of the puppetry in the original Star Wars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. I would agree.
0: It's so. great stuff. And, it, and it's, you know, so much happens in this movie. Think about what happens in this movie. Yeah. Well, there's so much going on here.
1: Yeah, well, and, and uh, especially Layers. me being a, a Trekkie and, 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 you know, listening and reading and watching all the special features and the things that Nick Meyer, the director, has said and, and going back and rewriting scenes because he went and he wrote the ending with, with, spoiler alert, Spock's death, right? And then he comes back and he goes, well, and, and then, okay, one of my favorite things about this film is the opening sequence, uh, right? You've, you've got, you uh, you've got Captain, you know, Savick right yeah, like her. That, that, that's not that's not Captain Starship Kirk what is that right on training mission to gamma high... well, right because
2: you actually hear her voiceover before she's on screen right, right and
1: you're sitting here wondering I mean I it's hard for me to place myself in that in that mindset because I've always been familiar with this film as long as I can remember but I'm thinking of how people must have felt in the theater they're like who is that that's not Captain Kirk captain's and you've got you see Spock and Uhura and all the different people on the bridge and yet it's a different strange captain well that scene came to be because the death scene leaked right like even before the internet in 1982 and 81 mm-hmm. you know they had this problem with the script leaking and and that script leaked and so nick meyer he's, he's going how do i get people to sit down and enjoy this film and and forget that there's a death scene coming up for spock oh all right i'll write a death scene for spock in the beginning of the film and so they they come up with the kobayashi maru sequence you know spock quote-unquote dies right and then he turns out it's a simulation he didn't actually die I, I that's just a, a great so much creativity there and and it, it from what from what i know of of reading about how people react to the film it worked so well because people are like oh that's what leaked okay no big deal and then you go on with the film and until that cut later in the film i'm jumping way ahead but until that cut when they cut to spock's empty chair on the bridge when kirk looks over and spock's not there and mccoy's on the line telling him you better hurry um Nobody thought about it again for the rest of the film. You sat down and you enjoyed the film. So much creativity there.
0: That scene at the end where Spock dies from the radiation poisoning, that one was the one that haunted me, not the set he weren't.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and it's it's so well written. I, I wrote a review for this film a couple days ago, and one of the things I said was, I think that's one of the best written death scenes, period. Not just for Star Trek, but period. I, I mean, it. it I, I cannot watch this film without... Uh, uh, wiping my eyes a little bit, you might say. <laughs> I mean, it it it's still moving, and I've seen this film a hundred times, mm. so uh, it it's still it's still moving. We we've jumped way ahead. Let, let me just let me just uh mention a few things here. This theater, oh uh, this theater, this movie opened in theaters on June fourth, nineteen eighty two. It made um it had a budget of eleven point two million, and I did I I found a website that would let me calculate the inflation adjusted amount. So that that amount now would be approximately twenty seven um, uh, billion dollars. I have that. I am sorry, twenty seven million. I am sorry, okay. not billion. So twenty seven million. <laughs> it opened to fourteen point three million, which on a budget of eleven point two, it opened to fourteen point three. So it already on opening weekend made back its money, uh, oh. which is not the how, the first film did not do that. Um, and inflation adjusted, that would be thirty four million is what this film opened to. I mean, even by today's standards. If you make a film for $27 million and it opens to thirty-four, that's a huge success. And uh, over time, it grossed $78.9 million. And again, one more time, adjusted for inflation, $190.3 million. This film was incredibly successful.
2: Not to mention all the money they made back from all the merchandise they sold to collectors over the last 30 years. Right. Yeah,
1: although it's not been merchandise. Star Trek has never been merchandised the way Star Wars has. But there's there's definitely some merchandise. But but this film, um, you know, there have been more successful, you know, in terms of monetary um, monetary profit. There have been more successful Star Trek films later. But at the time, this was this was a lifesaver for Star Trek. I mean, they were coming out of the motion picture. It's amazing this film even got the green light because the motion picture was a flop. It was a huge flop. Um, so on Rotten Tomatoes, the critical acclaim is is considered by many fans to be the best of the Star Trek movies. Khan features a strong plot, increased tension, and a sharp supporting performance from Ricardo Montalban.
2: So who who was Khan? And yes, he was Khan even in the original show. That's mm-hmm. right. That's and right. that's a, that's very important because there weren't that many villains that reprised their characters in the movies, and I, I just loved that. That yeah. was one of the reasons I appreciated it because something like you said, TJ, in your written review. There was contentu-
1: continuity added here that that's they right. had tied
0: in the original series. And that's and that's I mean, was it was it was absolutely Kirk's fault that this whole thing happened.
1: Absolutely, and and that's one of the things that I think I've I've enjoy the most. This is this introduced continuity into Star Trek that we'd never seen before. Like each and every episode previous to this, and even the first film, were they were pretty much um, one shot deals, right? That they that
2: yeah, there was no Star Trek Next Generation yet
1: right and even star trek next generation had this problem where most episodes except for the two parters right. were one-shot deals and they never referred back much to what happened before and the original series never referred back to what happened in any previous episodes ever as far as i remember and so this finally I, and, and and here's the thing where we don't think about this as much with tv now most of your tv most of your good tv shows the ones that i enjoy they have arcs that span entire seasons or even entire shows Right. It's just, it's
2: emphasized in practically every TV show.
1: That was non-existent in this time period. It was the era of TV shows. It was just non-existent. And, and so I loved in this film, looking back at what happened in an episode called Space Seed. Have you, have have, have both of you seen the episode Space Seed? Yes, of course. Yes. And, and it wasn't like, it was an okay episode. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't a great episode. Um, and, and, Frankly, as much of a Trek fan as I am, I'm, I'm a fan of newer Trek. I really like Star Trek: The Next Generation. I really like Deep Space Nine. The original series had a few good episodes, but there were some pretty bad episodes. The, Space Seed falls somewhere in the middle, and yet, for me, anyway, and yet it made the best Star Trek film, as far as I'm concerned. What, what are what are you guys' general thoughts on Space Seed?
2: Well, I, it was the first episode I ever saw, and really? I don't know. It was it was pretty good, but I was only 10 years old and I was watching it because there was um, an event going on nearby. My older brother was going to go to see William Shatner live and in person with some other Trek fans. And because they were going to that event, they were talking about their favorite episodes and their favorite movies. And so I saw it when I was about 10 years old and I thought it was a pretty big deal as far as, sci-fi was concerned but i hadn't seen the rest of the series yet and i was fascinated by Khan and i I still am because i think that he was one of the best premises it may not have been the best episode in terms of um developing his potential
1: yeah yeah, i think it was the execution
2: right the the film makes up for it and it it makes a great prologue
0: dan that's you know i mean for me again it didn't it never jumped out at me at the time as being some kind of an epic no uh yeah. you know episode there were plenty of other episodes that i absolutely would have picked as being wow that was either much more entertaining or much more interesting or whatever but it that doesn't matter to me what mattered was, and again, at 10, at 10 years old, this didn't really matter. But later, as I, you know, as I got older and rewatched the series multiple times, just the fact that they, they could have come up with an entirely new story. They didn't need this to be con. It could have been some guy we got sent to a planet we never saw before. But the fact was, you had a great actor. You had what was a good story originally, I think. And there was a way to bring it back. And you know what? This is one of the lessons that you guys will learn in your life when you're a little bit older: is that your your past always uh, comes back to haunt you. And this is Kirk's absolutely his past coming back to haunt him in a, in a in a big way. Oh, absolutely, that, that thing that he did one time where he actually thought he was doing something good—he's sending these 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 people away to a planet that should be a great planet for them to live on. Well, yeah. I didn't know the star was going to, you know, whatever was going to happen out there. I had no idea that yeah. this was going to become, you know, this desert planet that was going to be, uh, you know, a living hell. Yeah. And the, that there would be these, you know, yeah. uh, these awful parasites that would, you know, kill your, your wife. I mean, he didn't know
1: that. Yeah. Admiral Kirk never bothered right. to check on our progress. You know, yeah, definitely.
0: This is City Alpha 5!
1: That place. <laughs> yes. So, um... Yeah, I, you know, one, one, one of the things, too, about this film, I mean, it, yes, the villain Khan is a villain is great. But you know what struck me? Um, it actually struck me uh, when I watched this film about a year ago before I watched it in preparation for this episode is that Khan actually doesn't get a whole lot of screen time. But when he's on screen, he really owns the scene, right? Like when he's on the screen, you feel his presence so much.
2: He hardly ever lets anyone else talk.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and he he owns that scene. Like he is the focus of whatever scene he's in. But beyond that, like one of the things that I really really enjoyed about this film, it, that was so missing in the first film is the character relationships. The um they they just were non existent in the first film. There was no relationship, but, you know, the triangle, Bones, Spock and McCoy, it just wasn't there. And in this film, obviously one of the main focuses is Spock and Kirk's relationship and uh you are my great. superior officer. You are also my friend. I have been, and always shall be yours. And and you know that that kind of flows right along uh, to me to my mind. It flows right along with one of my other great likes for this film is I think that this is some of the best script writing out there. I mean, some of the best dialogue that you can find is is in this film. Uh, it well, has, and, and
2: to clarify, I would I would agree with you, TJ. Would you agree for this reason that it seems rather honest and just kind of frank with people, and you know, it's it's exposing itself to the audience, and yet it still works. That's one of the things I appreciate about the script.
1: Yeah, I think you need to clarify a little what
2: you what you're trying well, to say, Joe. The, the the screenplay doesn't; it's not pretentious, it's not grandiose. Oh, except sure. For when it pertains to Khan, you know, he that's his his persona, but for everybody else. They're just being honest on screen.
1: Yeah, no, they're I agree,
2: man. And they're not trying to hide anything anymore. They, they, they're laying all the cards on the table. And that was that was new. And that was I bet you that was quite the opposite extreme as to uh, the previous film, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture.
1: Oh, that film. And yeah. and I want to get Dan's opinion on, on the first film since we're talking about it. I still um, don't
0: understand it completely.
1: Yeah, that, that first film, it took itself so seriously and it was so heavy and they were they were trying to be bigger and greater than they were you know yeah, and
2: a lot of people say that they were inspired by 2001 space odyssey with that film do you agree with that
0: oh well i mean it definitely fits into the same category of you know the concept of this this probe that originally was well, sorry we're going to spoil this movie go ahead it's fine you know they send the 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 voyager out and you know, it essentially it, it it inspires some kind of race of beings, artificially intelligent beings, to create the thing and go and find the maker. And you know, I mean, it's it's out there in that 2001 kind of genre. By comparison, yeah. The Wrath of Khan is very much more in the what what you could you could say more modern take on what goes on in in space, which is the Star Wars take on going on when they you know you got people flying around in ships shooting each other you got a a, an enemy that has got to be destroyed and you get a planet at stake yeah that's basically you know that's that's the more modern take on it whereas the 2001 is the more contemplative take on it and uh, you know this this fully truly evolved and strange and very different alien intelligence that we don't understand you know and and making that personal and that's kind of what happened in in 2001 definitely what i think happened in uh, in the first Star Trek movie,
1: yeah, now oh. I'm going to make an admission that that may anger you, Dan. I know it would anger like John Gruber if 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 he could ever hear this. I don't like 2001: A Space Odyssey. I hate that film. And <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you guys react to that. Tell us how you really feel.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't actually have a reaction to that. I'm okay. going to just continue as if you hadn't said it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the first film, I think everything that I hated about. 2001 a space odyssey which was everything was in that star trek film now i don't hate the first star trek film like as much as i hate 2001 a space odyssey because i can still find good things to like about the motion picture but it you know it just it didn't work it, it didn't work on any level and so you know i think that that's why they brought in a tv producer harv bennett to make star trek 2 they then he hired nick meyer who had not a lot of knowledge about star trek who went in and and actually, even though he's not credited, he he basically made the screenplay what we see now. There was an, an existing screenplay that was really bad, like uh, Spock in the initial screenplay was uh, written to die in the middle of the film. Bef- I mean, and, and th- that has that to be the climax. That has to be the climax. You know, you you can't have Spock die in the middle and then go on with your Star Trek film. That just that just wouldn't work. Doesn't work. No, it doesn't work.
2: Well, well, that what would that have meant that Khan was defeated in the middle of the movie? I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't know what that would have meant. Maybe maybe like I, I uh, unfortunately I haven't like read the screenplay of the of the original screenplay, but I wonder if like maybe you know that wasn't the end of Khan. Like he set some sort of trap, and in order to save the Enterprise, Spock would have, you know, and then they would have gone on fighting Khan. I don't know, but all yeah. I know is that would have been a terrible move. That would have been a terrible move. So absolutely. Um, and, and mm. yeah, um, you know, one of the things too we can move on to uh, the music, which. uh you know, I'm kind of fighting my tendency here, Dan. I actually just listened. I finally watched, for the first time recently, Goodfellas, and then I listened to your episode of Five by Five at the Movies with John Saracusa, which, by yeah, the way, yeah. I'm, I'm really disappointed that you guys didn't... Like, I thought that was going to be a thing. It is. Okay. There's only you know, one episode. something good like that, you know, so what?
0: Okay. All right. I just right, thought... It's a good show. You don't want to rush it.
1: Okay. Today's shows like that take time. When, when is the next episode? Hmm. Well, I don't want to say like, that here. I gotta, you know. <laughs> Okay, you got plans. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, well, we'll we'll look forward to more of that. But I, I, I finally, and I when it came out, I was like, oh man, I, I need to watch Goodfellas, and then I need to listen to this episode and hear Dan and, and John talk about this thing. And I finally, because I knew you were coming on the pag- podcast, that my time was up. I've got to listen and see what your feelings are on this film. I want to do the same thing that Syracuse did. I'm fighting my tendency to do that because we really don't do that on movie by podcast. But it, you know, where he goes scene by scene and talks about everything that happened in that in that scene. So I'm finding my tendency to do that, but we're I think at this point we can talk about the music composed by James Horner, and um, you know he's following up on probably the only really good point of the previous film, which is uh, you know Jerry Goldsmith's score, and and I think that even the even people like me who hate the first film, uh, they love Jerry Goldsmith's score, and I would have to agree, but. James Horner followed up with this amazing score for Star Trek 2 that was nothing like Jerry Goldsmith's right, right, score. Right, right, right. But it worked really, really well. I, I have no complaints with the score whatsoever.
2: Yeah, just for the record, Dan, we're big fans of soundtracks and uh, we love, we love talking about them. It was This was also the first movie I listened to its soundtrack in, you know, in full when I was a kid. And I agree, it was great. I listened to it over and over again, I, and I was expecting all the other Star Trek films to have equally great soundtracks, and they, you know, some of them did. They all had the great theme, but as a whole, they weren't as interesting. Yeah. Hmm. It, it, what is that? There is that like Khan's theme?
1: No. This is the surprise. That this is called this track is called Surprise Attack. This is when um, Kirk has been called to the bridge, and uh, he, the, the Reliant is approaching and oh, right. they the don't know start. what on earth is going on. Like, why can't they raise the, the Reliant on the Calm? And, uh, Captain that was a great dramatic moment. Admiral Kirk does not raise the shields. What is he thinking? Got caught with his britches down. You know, all that good stuff. So, do you have any feelings and thoughts about the score, Dan? I mean, you know, I, I'm not like a score guy. Um, it.
0: I think this is an example of something that it's not memorable in the way a John Williams, typical John Williams piece is going to be memorable in that you can hum it necessarily later, but you can play a little bit, at least for people who have loved this movie, you can play a little bit of it, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, Wrath of Khan. And so that that falls into an interesting space for me. And again, for me, it's like if I can hear that composition and I can that'll take me back to the movie, then I think the composer has has done their job
1: yeah and, and uh, you know for me it's hard for me to make that determination and that judgment because i'm so familiar with the film that anytime i hear any part of the score i can identify exactly what scene that goes with right like i could tell you when when, when uh J- joe was you asking me this, where did that come the from the i knew exactly where we were at in the film as soon as i played it um and uh so it's hard for me to make that judgment but i have heard that about the score from other people that it 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 takes them back to the specific scenes in the film and i think that that, that means it's a, a well done score in my opinion and you know it it could have been really hard like uh, it had to be really hard for james horner to to look at the of the score for the previous film and go okay now what do i do it's already been done how how do i fix it? how do i make something better because the producers didn't want any connection with the first film that was such a flop they, that's why they hired james horner and not jerry goldsmith as they wanted something else so it could have been bad, and yet it went really well. It's 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 just amazing how many of the pieces fell into the right places for this oh. film to be good. You know, one thing that I've said on previous episodes, when we've brought it up or we've talked about budget and stuff, is that you know, eleven million dollars, even even back then, uh, it was not a lot of money, and and yet this is one of the best Trek films. And I think that so often, so many people throw so much money, so many producers and studios throw so much money at these films. And you're not forced, the the filmmakers are not forced to be creative and create a really good film that way. And so when they have too much money, it it just, it it spoils the film. I I don't think that's always the case, but I think that certainly here, they were forced to get creative with what money they had, and they created a great Star Trek film. Mm. So, all right, um, let's talk about, uh, just a little bit more, we've touched on it a little bit, but I think this scene deserves a lot more we need to talk about the framing and, and the scene of, of Spock's death. Uh, because this was a big deal. And as far as people knew at the time, this was the end of Star Trek. This was the last we would see of Star Trek. And and one of the things that happened here is that Nick Meyer, he wrote the death scene, and it, there, there was no uh, mind meld with McCoy. There was no, you know, there was no remember. Um, that, that just wasn't, that wasn't there. I'm
2: sorry, Doctor. I have no time to discuss this logically.
1: Here it comes. Remember. So that, that okay. Was, so you're
0: saying that you're saying that, what that they didn't have any plans based on that.
1: No, that's right. This was to be the last Star Trek film when it was initially when the script was written and when they started making the film. And then Harv Bennett and, and I'm getting all this from a book called I Am Spock by Leonard Nimoy, and he tells the story of how there was no plans for future Star Trek. This was the last Trek film. This was a great death scene. This was the end of Spock, and this was how this was the final farewell for. The, the Enterprise crew and for Spock. And Harv Bennett is on set and he's watching them shoot this scene and he says, man, he, he's and he's a TV producer and he's thinking, what if we ever wanted to pick up the thread again? Is there anything we could do? And so he says to Nimoy, can you give me anything? Can you can you improvise something that would let me have a handle to, to grab onto if we ever wanted to do another Star Trek film? And he came up with this scene. It, it's so short where he, he mind melds with McCoy and he says, remember. And that's it. that That's all... The, the, and, and so in the initial screening of this film uh, for the test audiences, there was no burial tube on Genesis. Uh, there there was no Spock voiceover of Space, the Final Frontier at the very end. There, that wasn't there. And so all there was was this death scene. And then, oh, and by the way, uh, this, uh, this Amazing Grace on bagpipes. I'm not a big fan of the bagpipes, uh, but at Spock's funeral, they play Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. And that's okay. But then there's this. If it'll play. Oops, that's not the right clip. I'm, I'm still figuring out how to work this thing, Dan. <laughs> Here it goes. That is probably the most orchestral score... Uh, anyway, so that, that that's a sidetrack. Um, hmm. So the test audiences reacted really badly. Like they they came out of the out of the theater and they were just you know teary eyed and sad and broken and and angry and you know and so they hard Bennett's like we got to do something else. So they filmed the additional scene on the planet of Spock's burial tube, and that's that's what saved Star Trek. It's why we have more Star Trek is because we we, we set it up for them to say oh Spock's not really dead. And, you know, that should have, like, that should have taken away from the death scene, but it really didn't. Like, even though those scenes are there, it's still a very emotionally impacting scene. I mean, just, just the whole, um, man, I I can't even describe it. Mm. Mm. And always shall be your friend. Live long and prosper I'm getting a little <laughs> sad just listening to it right now. So,
2: yeah, we're, it's like we're reliving a memory. Yeah, it's part of our childhood.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. It's part of mine, and I know Dan, you are old, you're a little older than us, but it's 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 a part of yours too. So, oh,
2: definitely. So. Yeah, and you know something that's pretty tremendous about that scene is how little they let Kirk talk. Just let Spock do the talking. Oftentimes in the original series, I wanted Spock to talk more. And I appreciated that he was reserved at times, uh, but there was some episodes where the episode would feature Spock heavily, and yet he would still not talk as much as I would like. And then in this film, Spock has some great lines and even moments when he was saying that he was, you know, that Kirk was his best friend. That was a big deal because, that's the way the audience felt about the two, but it wasn't often that Spock was so candid. So it meant a lot for us to hear it from him. And again, another one of those examples where great, the screenplay great, great made point. us feel intimate to him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and, and just the whole thing, they, they've kind of set this up throughout the whole movie and it kind of snuck up on you. You had no idea that this is where this was going, but you know, the whole Kobayashi Maru and... Kirk, he doesn't like to lose, and and now all of a sudden he's standing there. His best friend is dying, and he can't even touch him. He's separated by the glass. And and Spock says, "I never took the Kobayashi Maru test until now. What do you think of my solution?" And and you know it's so moving. You know, famously, Shatner has always wanted more dialogue and more lines, and I want the lines, and and that's kind of a famous thing. But all he says here is in just the ways way I can't even reproduce the way he says it. But he just says Spock. That's all he says. And that's it's one of the most moving scenes <laughs> right. of, of uh, any Star yeah. Trek ever. Yeah. So and, and one of the things I wrote in my notes here is in this film, the thing that I really love about this film is the stakes are real and the sacrifice is real. And Spock is not a red shirt. <laughs> so, all right. I've been doing a lot of talking. So if, if you guys want to chime in. Oh, it's well, your
0: show No, I like I like listening to you talk about it because you've, you know, analyzed this. Right, you feel passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, who's going to get in the way of that?
1: Yeah, that's. uh, I actually got that comment. I, I hadn't. One of one of the guys commented. We have MovieByte has a Facebook account that we post all of our links to, and one of the guys commented on that. He said, "Boy, your passion really came through on this one." I said, "Did it?" I, you know, I guess it did. I, I I do love this film a lot. It's it is well written too. Yeah, it was a
2: it was a good review.
1: Yeah, I, I. And one of the things I was hoping that we might see is, uh, you know, after Abrams lets go of the reins, is to take this new universe and let Nick Meyer do a film in this universe and see what he comes up with. But all right, so well, we've we've talked a we've lot t- about the things yeah. that we like. Is Joe? I know that you are not as much of a fan as I am, and it sounds like not as much as Dan is. Do you? Do you want to talk about anything you didn't like? Well,
2: Dan, help me out here. Um, I I, I want to say that. There's two reasons why this film isn't my favorite Star Trek film per se and it's still... I can see why it's a fan favorite but it doesn't... It's not especially an awesome film on its own to me. Uh, One of the reasons was you know, when I was a kid I was really big into Star Wars and it's hard for me to not be biased but I just had a hard time relating to the Star Trek universe when I was already engrossed in Star Wars. Uh, Flash forward to today and I have a bigger open mind but... This film now is dated by modern standards. You know, it was modern for its time. And I think that Star Trek films, well, no, all sci-fi films are generally products of their time. But this film, though, it, it, though it's technically well-designed, though it has great visual effects, though the set pieces don't feel cheap, it still feels like it's going to be dated by Star Trek standards for here on out. And that kind of gets in the way for me because not so much if I, hmm, okay, here's the thing. I was watching my brother watch this movie about four months ago. I came into the house and he was watching the movie and he was like, Hey Joe, you want to sit down and watch this with me? And I was like, Oh sure. But I, I I had a few interruptions. So I took a phone call while the movie was playing. And when I came, that's bad. Yeah, it was. But when I went in and out of the movie, I realized just how, silly some things and dated some things appear in the movie when you're interrupted and you're looking at them and you're not in the moment well that's true of any movie though joe i disagree i mean if i'm interrupted in the middle of batman dark knight and then i walk back in and start watching the movie it's it's not it's not cheesy it's not lost it's its brilliant help
1: me help me gang up on my co-host here dan okay do you have any words for him (laughs) I, I i didn't properly set the framing for this one of the reasons that you that we got you as, as a guest on this podcast dan is i didn't know for sure but hearing you on your many different shows you'll make subtle star trek references right and especially with syracusa like that's one of the things i remember about hypercritical is you're always trying to force a little star trek reference in here and he would just completely ignore you and i thought well, Man. yeah and i don't i think that's
0: because he <clears throat> excuse me he's smart enough to know when he's out of his element and <laughs> and this is the thing it, you know, he, he tries, he would try to sort of redirect and, and, or just ignore it because he knew that the minute that he would step into the world of Star Trek, that one of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to out himself as somebody who's so hardcore that, that even he would be embarrassed of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Number one. <laughs> or number two, he, he really knew nothing about it and would, you know, was too intimidated. And I I, <clears throat> I wouldn't blame him. But, I mean, I grew up you gotta understand, I grew up watching Star Trek in our house growing up in the evening. Sorry, I'm just my throat is like still recovering.
1: Mm, It's a nightmare. You gonna be okay? You need to lie down? uh,
0: Yeah, maybe. (laughs) We would watch the original Star Trek five nights a week, sometimes seven nights a week, because it was on, you know, one of these these cable channels. Right. This is back before the days of, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all the wonderful things we have now. Yeah. So what you would do is you would go and she would put on Channel 35 and you would watch this thing during dinner and you'd be eating your Sloppy Joes and you'd watch Star Trek. So I That's watched right. Star Trek every, you know, at least five, if not more times a week. And then you had The Next Generation come out and you'd watch that. And then that went into syndication. So you'd watch that every day. And I got to know and love these characters and these shows. And I was not the type of guy and I haven't really been this way about anything. I mean, I know like I I enjoy watching football. I enjoy watching baseball. I am not the kind of person who can tell you, you know, what, what, you know, statistics on, on pitching and hitting. And I, I just, I'm not that kind of person. I can remember, Oh, this guy had a good year last year. Maybe he didn't, but I can't, I can't throw the numbers out. So I never got into that aspect of, of Star Trek of knowing in and out. Oh, well this happened on this episode and whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not there, but I just really got into these characters, really got into the series and just the fun of it all. So for me, looking back at this movie, you know, again, going back to the Caddyshack reference, Caddyshack is dated on all levels. The things that made that movie uh, risque, and push the limits and the boundaries back then, those things are are so tame by today's standards that it almost doesn't it's not it, it, it's it falls flat. The humor that at the time was so in your face today seems not even subtle yeah and it, you know it it's it's just so a movie like that which at its time and for many years after, was this great movie? Now you look at it and you're like, mm, ah gosh, that's embarrassing. Well, the Wrath of Khan does not have that problem in that the scenarios that, that it, it presents are are still valid. The you know, yeah, it's not as exciting as the movies are today. It's not as big as the movies are today, but that's that's only not even half of what I think you know made that movie great at the time. It was a story about people. It was a story about characters. Exactly. And for many of us, it was a, it was a story about characters that, like me, I'd known and loved for uh, for a while. And then again, having seen that movie as a ten year old kid, I came back and said, "I want to re I want to really get into all these other." You know, I want to watch all of these other episodes. I want to see the one where he sent him to that planet. You know, and so it it kind of kicked that thing off for me. The new Star Trek movie, by the way, I don't think anybody feels that. No, not at all. I don't think there's one person on the planet Earth who's walking out of the new Star Trek movie thinking... I want to go back and watch all the old ones now. No, they're saying I'm looking forward to the sequel to this.
1: Agreed. Absolutely. That's one of the things I hate about the new film. I mean, again, I I, I framed it earlier. I I like it okay. But that is one of the things that I think is a major downside of that film. So anyway, the the, um, the reason that I uh, thought may, well, okay, so I told Joe when we were talking about who to get on the podcast to help balance out his negativity, <laughs> was uh, hey, this we've been looking for a way to get Dan on this show. He's been our inspiration for starting a show at all. Maybe he would like to get on for Star Trek. So if if you have any words for Joe here, and I, I guess you you did just really kind of tell him what for on that. So you did. Uh, Joe, did you did you want to say anything else about your negativity about this film?
2: <laughs> well, I I think I still stand as just a a very devout Star Wars fan, and I appreciate the original series. I have no appreciation for the prequels.
0: So you're saying you're saying that you are because this is something that's interesting to me. And let me draw an analogy, not to interrupt you, you Joe, because right. I know you. You've I think barely, I know where you're going with this. You've barely spoken in the last sixty eight minutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The right. DJ really pretty much owns us. Right. Well, I'm,
2: I'm just thinking.
0: Um, yeah, I know. Me too. So you've got Led Zeppelin and you get Pink Floyd. <laughs> and usually you get somebody who's either they like Led Zeppelin and they hate Pink Floyd or vice versa. I'm, I'm in the Zeppelin camp. I, I, you know, listen, I'm not saying if Pink Floyd comes on the radio that I'm going to just automatically flip it off. Right. But it, it's not going to be my first choice. Led Zeppelin comes on the radio, not only will I probably not flip it off, I'm probably going to turn it up. So when it comes to the Star Wars Star Trek camp, this also seems to be the prevalent case. You have people who are either, they love Star Wars and they they hate Star Trek or vice versa. And I'm going to guess that that's you. You're the person that you love Star Wars and maybe not hate, but just something about Star Wars and your fondness for it. Right. Cancels out your ability to entertain the idea of enjoying at least the original Star Trek series. Maybe you're open to the movie. And and then when you look at the movie, you say, Oh, they're trying to make Star Trek more like Star Wars, aren't
2: Correct. they? Correct. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's it. And
2: on that note as well, it's just the the original was good for its heyday, and I felt like, you know, Star Wars, the original movies may have benefited from the original series. Star Trek show, but as a testament to time, the original Star Wars trilogy seems like it's not dated yet. It's still a a great film to watch. It doesn't seem to have to compete with any modern standards or classic film standards. It's uh, it's something unto itself. The original Star Wars series um, doesn't seem influenced by the uh, time passing, whereas the Star Trek films, they obviously have been. So
0: I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you, I make, I'm, I'm interrupting again. There's an observation yeah. I, I just made as I'm thinking about this, as I'm thinking about what you're saying. Right. And here's the here's what I, here's what I'm thinking. I think I know why. Star Wars. And hear me out, TJ, hear me out. I'm listening. Star Wars exists in a magical universe. The magic is technology, but it's like magic. Agreed. Star Trek exists in a, I'm doing little Merlin air quotes, in a real world <laughs> technology-based universe. Yes. Well, we have warp engines, and here's how the warp engines work. And we have photons, and we have phasers, and here's how those things work. And the, these guys, Romulans, have a cloaking device, and that's why we can't see their ship. And we need to go into low Earth orbit now. All of these things are based on what we think of as reality. Right. In Star Wars, they're like, you've got the force." Well, that's kind of like magic, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And we we can go at, you know, make the jump to lights. We just hit a button on the thing and we go that's and right. now we're zipping really fast and it's great. And then, you yeah. know, I have a lightsaber, which... That, I, there's a crystal inside a thing and it makes a a beam, Correct. and you can deflect lasers with it. This is a magical universe with creatures and aliens and strange things and Star Trek they're like, here's how we have gravity on our ship. you know it's a very, yeah, very right. different kind of universe and if you're if you're the type that likes the magical universe, like John Syracusa, you like Star Wars more, and if you're the type that sees yourself as like uh, the, this world is based around science and if we can understand the science we can do anything then you're going to like star trek
2: yeah that that explains it that's it
0: exactly i don't know the zeppelin pink floyd thing <laughs>
1: well, I can't, yeah i'm not so sure about i can't that. help you out with zeppelin or pink floyd because uh and i know you know i listen to amplified and i usually kind of glaze out when you know gloss over when you're talking about music so you know take this what it's worth but I, I, I can't speak to it because I don't, I'm not a fan of either. <laughs> so you, you may reach through Skype and, and, and slap me if you want, Dan. It's all right. <laughs> no,
0: I don't care. Okay. They're both old. They're Dan's both being old. being really bands polite now. today.
1: What's that?
2: Dan's being really polite today. Yes, you he really, is. You
0: haven't really hit on any of my big topics. That's why. Oh,
1: okay. Well, I, I'm.
0: I could should... go. I could go either way with this stuff.
1: Okay. Mm. All right. Well, Joe, I'll I'll just say that I am a fan of both Star Wars and Star Trek, although I tend to like Star Trek a little bit better when it's working well. But Mm. I I do agree. There was something I wanted to go back to that you said, and I know this show is actually running longer. I think it's running longer than it usually does, but that's that's fine. I knew this episode was going to run long. That's my fault. Sorry. No, no, no. It's good. I I love it. so, so Joe, the, the one thing that you, you said that I wanted to go back to was that they're basically trying to make Star Wars, a Star Wars film out of Star Trek. That's what Abrams has been kind of doing. We, some have said we've already seen,
0: uh, right.
1: we've already seen Abrams' Star Wars. It's called Star Trek. And I, I completely agree with that. And I think maybe that's one of the big reasons why I don't like it as much is because it's not true Star Trek somehow.
2: Right. And, and Melinda Snodgrass she did a great argument there. and She convinced me to appreciate the original series for what it was because it was trying to, you know, imitate reality rather than ignore it. And the, the new series, though, I appreciate JJ, his, um, his creativity and his ability to give it new life and new meaning. Um, it's not what it used to be. And I wonder how it's going to stand over the next 20 years Yeah, uh, when these movies are, you know, they're old. And Chris Pine has gone on and ruined his career like William Shatner did or something, you yeah. know.
1: Yeah, and the, the the episode that you're referencing, I was just looking it up while you were talking there, Joe. You're talking about Melinda. That is uh, Movie Byte podcast number 22. So if you go to com slash podcast slash 22, that's where that episode lives. If you want to hear Melinda, who was a uh, screenwriter on Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know that we have a lot more to talk about. I I hate to end this because I'm loving this so much, but I don't know that we have a lot Mm. more to talk about with this film. uh, Joe, did you have anything else that you wanted to mention?
2: Um, Not really. My bottom line is I just think that The Wrath of Khan is... The one thing we may have not mentioned here really is that it's obvious why this is the fan favorite. It It is the best. It is the cream of the crop for the original series. And it gives the the original fans everything they really wanted. And I think that that's, I think that's great. I love it when a movie can pull that off. Not, a, I mean, think about, you know, my childhood was ruined by Michael Bay with transformers. You know, it's so easy <laughs> for these directors to just ruin the ride. And, you know, really there was no
0: pun intended there, but <laughs> I don't, I don't even think of those as real movies they're the not michael bay's transformers terrible, yeah, overblown terrible. commercials
1: they, they <sighs> really are uh this is a sidetrack but i don't mind it um you know I, I i watched i wasn't expecting much when i watched the first transformers film it was so bad i wanted to tear my eyeballs out i wanted to claw them out that was so bad and i don't even i don't even remember if i made it through the whole film i don't even if a film's bad i usually watch the whole thing
2: well i'm glad you didn't claw out your eyes. oh there. my
1: goodness it was it was horrible horrible terrible I have not watched the Transformers film since. All right, so your your bottom line, Joe. What 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 do you rate this film out of five stars?
2: Three stars, three a uh, three out of five stars, uh, and, and that means I'll watch it again. But it's okay if I don't have it in my personal movie library. It's it's good.
1: Shame but on you, Joe.
2: Shame. I'll get I'll get to it. You know, when I need to show it to the kids and introduce them to Star Trek, I'll I'll start with this
0: movie.
1: Okay, Dan. Do you have any final words you want to say about this film before we wrap it up?
0: I'll, I'll just put it this way. If you're if you're interested in seeing what the real Star Trek, the original Star Trek was about, and you don't want to sit through, you know, however many episodes they made. How 79. Many they make? 79, thank you. If you don't want to sit through 79 episodes to get a feel for it, just go watch this. This will tell you everything you need to know. It'll tell you about the time period it was made. It'll tell you about uh, all of the characters are in it. It's great, all around great. And if you see this, I will say that you can uh, you can say you understand the original Star Trek series. Yeah. And and how do I do this rating? 2.5 is... Middle of the road. Middle of the road. And less than that means it's bad. More than that means it's good. And what does it go up to? Four? Five. Uh, uh, five, five. five stars. So you, in theory, you could give something a zero. In theory, you can. We yeah. actually have to. to be balanced, you would need to be able to give it a zero.
1: I guess you're right. That's I hadn't right. thought about that. The mo- the movie I've hated the most in my entire life, Cloud Atlas. I gave a half a star. I guess I could, should have given it no stars, but yes, I guess technically you're correct.
0: Okay, I just wanted to be sure. And and like a a five, this is the movie that, like, can, can you, Is it possible for you to have a mo- more than one movie that you rate a five?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. There are at least two movies now that I rate five. The Matrix I rated five stars, and this film I've rated five stars. Okay. Yeah, what five Steve. stars
2: means, Dan, is that it's really hard for you to find any fault with a film, even if it's not one of your personal favorites. It's hard for you to to find something that's obvious that gets in the way. You know that's that's what five stars means. Okay,
0: us, to us. I'm trying because what I'm trying to do is I'm okay. So I, for me, Willow, that's half. A, that's half. Well, half a point. Point five for Willow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's good.
0: Um. I'm just trying to think of what would be a five and then I can rate this one. Mm.
2: Mm. I'm just How trying to any, think of Back to the Future Part One.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: you cannot find a kindred soul here, Joe.
0: <clears throat> I'm just trying to think of a, of a movie that's a five. I mean I mean, obviously there's there's movies out there that I I could never see again.
1: Okay. Well let, let me ask you this. Maybe no, this I gotta I gotta work through it. Don't rush me. All, all right, all right.
0: Hey, oh my uh, God, while, All this, this time show. I take to come on your show and now I'm trying to work through the, the ultimate thing, the last part, and then you're rushing me through it. No, you're right. I stand humbled.
2: Uh, while you're thinking there, Dan, we actually have an article about the star rating system. We'll go ahead and put that in the show notes. Did you too. invent
0: this system? Is this your own system?
2: Yeah, it's our site. So we thought we should. Okay. Um, here we go. I mean, a humble brag here. I wrote it myself. Nice. So I'm putting it into the outline there. So, oh, I
0: yeah. got to go look at that. Is that, uh, oh, oh, you just put no, it at I'm, the bottom here, didn't you? I'm looking there. I'm going down there. <sighs> okay. I'm going to have to see. I should have read
1: that before I came on the show. Ah, it's not that big a deal. It's it's just Joe's <sighs> article. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that the way that sounded. You mean Joe. Joseph. <laughs> All right.
0: So, it, let's say a, a, So Five is is essentially a perfect movie?
2: Essentially. Essentially. Okay, it's okay so...
0: so I'll I'll say The Godfather probably is a five. There you go. I'll say, unfortunately for, for you, TJ, I'd say 2001 is probably a five.
1: Oh, I, I know you felt that way. That's why I figured you were going to have words for me when I said I didn't like it. Well, I don't care if you like it or not. It's a free country.
0: <laughs> this is true. Uh, there's a lot of things not to like about 2001. There's a lot of things not to like. It doesn't mean it's not a perfect movie. It's not my favorite movie. It's one of the movies I, I like a lot. Right. I like the sh- I like The Shining more than I like Two Thousand One. If we're going to go into the the world of Kubrick, I think oh, yeah. about The Shining way more than I think about Two Thousand One. But Two Thousand One, as movies go, maybe the per- maybe a perfect movie. You may be, you may be able to identify their Hitchcock movies that are five that I never want to watch again. That's right. So where does this fall? I can do half points. Yeah, that's right.
1: That's right. It's <laughs> basically a ten point scale. Hmm. Okay, kind of if, like are you team.
0: asking me when? Are you asking me when I'm a kid or now?
1: You can do this. Totally. This is a
0: complex. I can't give you a, <laughs> st- a simple answer. This is not a simple answer. That's a that's totally fair.
2: We've done the same thing, Dan.
1: Yeah, I've I've waffled on my star ratings for you
2: know kids' cartoons the same
0: way. You today. hit me with, with this down. at the last minute, and I don't even get an explanation of the system. All right, hang on now. Let's say, boy oh boy. I'll tell you what, I haven't seen a movie in 10 or 15 years come out that I would give over a, over a four. What are That's you saying, Hattie? You really
2: liked the Bond films. I mean, the Bond ones. Oh, that I love the Bond. Oh, oh, the you most recent yeah, Bond movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just saying, I remembered you You liked that one a lot. On
0: their scale, what was the name of that one? The latest Bond movie, Hattie? Oh, you... Uh, uh, Bond.
2: N- Escapes my mind the moment you said it. Sky name, F- Sky Skyfall. Skyfall. The
0: name of his yes, uh, thing. Name of his farm. All right. Skyfall. To, now with your scale, with your scale, Skyfall a three and a half. Your I, scale.
1: I think that's what I gave it to.
0: Okay. Your scale. This is a movie that if if my son came to me and said, Dad, I want to see all the movies that matter. That or would recent be a recent movie I'm going to put on there. There will be blood. That's a four and a half. There will be blood. Now that's a movie, TJ. That's a movie.
1: Got to see it. I haven't seen it yet.
0: Oh, TJ, come I, on. I got to tell you.
1: It, it's it's a funny story while you're thinking about your uh, star ratings. No, I got it now. Okay. But okay. Tell,
0: tell your tell your tell your story.
1: Okay. Well, it's it's a quick and I I might have mentioned on the podcast before, I can't remember Joe, you can help me if I have. Uh there was a period of time when I didn't watch films because my oh. parents uh you know, the, films will melt your brain, you know. And they're not like that now. And I'm not like that now, obviously, uh, because I run a site called Movie Bite. <laughs> but well, and the uh, other thing, too, so is, I've missed uh, out on a few
2: films. Yeah, there will be blood ca- is I'm a little bit up. of a period film and a little bit like Western, though. It's not a Western and you're not big on those kinds of films. I'm so I not, but I, th-
1: there. there's there's exceptions to every rule.
2: There should be. So.
1: All right, Dan.
0: All right. Um, Drum roll, please. Uh,
1: Joe, what was, what Joe, what was yours uh, again? What did you give it? Three
0: out of five. Yeah, I'm there with you. I'm right there with you. Three out of five. Bummer. All right. I it's, wor- the- it's worth seeing once. <sighs> this is 2013,
1: TJ. Yes. That's right.
0: It's 2013. They don't you make don't films to- like
1: this anymore. <laughs> well, Not in what, what are you gonna say? That, that is wide open for you if you want it.
0: <laughs> but I, I mean, keep keep in mind, keep in mind, there's maybe one movie a year that comes out that I think is worth seeing. Worth seeing. Okay. Worth worth seeing in the comfort of your own home that you haven't even paid any extra money for other than what you've already paid on netflix and hbo
1: joe why did we have this guy on our podcast <laughs> I know. we're
0: all about there's the a, there's so little out there that's good anymore it's all the same movie it's the same movie dressed up in different clothing every there movie is same okay. thing i can again agree with you too. and then point. once in a while you get something good like there will be blood and it's like whoa here's a real movie like this last batman flick was a good one i like that
1: yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I'm with you to a point. I, I, I think that from now that what you're Batman saying, movie, I'll give, I'll give a three and a half. I'll go way
0: high on my scale. <laughs>
2: okay. Well, here's something to chew on too. What happens when they come out with a remake of the Wrath of Khan? You know what happens then? Um, I, I, I actually don't expect it to outdo the original one. No,
1: I, I will despise it.
2: That's where I stand. I'd like to see it. I'd mm. like to see it definitely. I think it could definitely enhance the the qualities were the original. The reason you brought was.
0: me on this show, teach. I'll answer your question. I was joking, but go ahead. No, I there's truth in a humor. That's the thing. Here's here's the thing. You brought me on because you know that I'm very, very, very hard to please when it comes to movies. Oh, I didn't I do know that. Schindler's List, that's a five.
1: Oh yes, I, I have to agree. It's it, it, So it's how strange... can you give how can you say this you're gonna put this up next to Schindler's List? Um this is in, a five a com- that's a five in a completely different way. I mean, cause I, you can like different things in different genres in different ways, right? I mean, so this
0: is a five for you in a genre of a, you know, 1980s sci-fi film based on a TV show. This
1: is a five. Okay, that's a five. I'll give you that in that genre. That's <laughs> a five. That wasn't quite the way I meant it, but sure. I mean, I think that this is a great overall film, but I think Schindler's List is too, but for completely... Goodfellas, that's um, a five. Yeah, um, I gave it four, I think, when I, I rated it on Letterboxd on my account there. I believe I gave it four. It's a uh, five. But it's a good film. Um, but but see, this is the thing. You can like different films for different reasons. Schindler's List, and it's a strange thing too, because like that is a great film, and everyone should watch it once, once, but but, but you it's can't not a film watch it e- twice, right? Even though I love it and think it's a great film, it's not a film that I want to watch. I may watch it again Patton. someday. Seen that movie Patton? I'm not familiar with that one. <laughs> that's a five. Okay, but 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 this you know this rating that I'm giving it is an overall rating, not not just within a genre. That wasn't what I was trying to say. But but what I was trying to say is you can rate something the same, but for completely different reasons. And that's what I would do as Schindler's List. I'm not sure if I'd rate it a five, maybe a four and a half. It's way up there um so yeah I, I i that's how i stand on that is you can rate it different things for different reasons but no for all
0: right guys do you want do you, do you I, you're done we're done with this right
1: i think so we're, we're gonna we, wrap it up let, let, let me go ahead and wrap you, it can up how do
0: you close one of your shows out i want to hear it
1: okay so dan where can people find you on twitter
0: uh twitter i'm dan benjamin one word uh, on alpha i'm dan
1: okay and if somebody wanted to find out you know all the great shows that you do you do a lot of great shows dan where would they go to do that
0: uh you're too kind five by five tv place to go
1: great and i recommend everyone checks out dan's shows uh, i personally listen to the frequency i used to listen to it every day when it was an everyday show now it's hattie's show and it's only once a week if i understood what you were saying correctly still a great show uh, go give that a listen joe where can people find you on twitter
2: i'm joseph darnell on twitter back for before i realized i should just go by joe and I'm also Joseph Darnell on Facebook, and I think I might be Joe Darnell on App.net, but I don't pay attention to that anymore.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a it's like a graveyard over there. Yes, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah.
2: good luck to them. I hope they can
1: get out of that. Well, yeah. And you can and find then, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. Oh, I did skip something. Where can people find your work on the internet, Joe?
2: Oh, JivingJackalope.net and MovieByte
1: that's right and uh, I am TJ Draper pro on Twitter because someone's squatting on my username TJ Draper so I went with the pro because I'm a professional so you can find me on Twitter TJ Draper pro you can find me on Facebook uh, unfortunately even though I like Twitter a lot more Facebook has a pretty big following on uh, Twitter <laughs> moviebyte has a pretty good following on Facebook so you can catch me there uh, uh, facebook.com slash TJ Draper you can catch moviebyte there moviebyte.com slash TJ Draper Be sure to visit the website every day. We post uh, news, links, and articles and opinions, reviews, moviebyte.com. You can find the links to everything we talked about in the show notes at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 42 and that's it for us this week we're out of here we'll next week we're gonna be talking about iron man 3 so be sure to. Tune in us? i'm going that. to see
0: that tomorrow
1: yeah we've uh we've got our oh, i've got my tickets i'm ready to go see it my wife and i are both going to see it tonight so we're going to talk about that next week be sure to tune in for that wednesday night at 6 30 p.m we will be broadcasting that live
2: thanks again dan glad to be here anytime guys
1: we're out of here